From an early age, Darwin showed great interest in nature, collecting insects and other critters. It's not surprising that he jumped at the opportunity to join the expedition to explore South America aboard the HMS Beagle as its naturalist in 1831. On the voyage, Darwin observed many species that were similar yet distinct. Famously, on the Galapagos Islands, he observed finches. Each island had a slightly different species. Their beaks, in particular, varied. Darwin wondered why was this was so. Inspiration came to him suddenly. In his autobiography, he writes, I can remember the very spot on the road whilst in my carriage, when to my joy, a solution came to me. The solution is that the modified offspring of all dominant and increasing forms tend to become adapted to many in highly diversified places in the economy of nature." End of quote. Thus was born Darwin's profound insight. Not evolution, many people already believed in evolution, including Darwin's grandfather. Darwin's contribution was the understanding of the mechanism of, of evolution, natural selection. Adapting to different conditions resulted in different species. After years of delay, Darwin decided to publish a book that included much of this information he had gathered. Of course, this was his famous book on the origin of species by means of natural selection. Even though Darwin avoided the conclusion that humans evolved like other animals, the implication was clear. Humans were like other animals, and a god was not necessary to explain how we got here, at least not after life got started. In 1860, Darwin's book reached the shores of America. He sent a copy to his friend, Asa Gray, a prominent American botanist. Gray was a friend of several of those who were known as the Transcendentalists, living around Concord, Massachusetts, many of whom were associated with the Unitarian Church. Gray passed his copy of Darwin's book to his Transcendentalist friends. With this, Darwin's ideas entered into the stream of thought that would become Unitarian Universalism. Ralph Waldo Emerson, at one time a Unitarian minister, was one of the founding members of the Transcendentalist. In fact, his book, Nature, was one of his foundation documents. As Carmen's reading earlier from this book indicated, the Transcendentalists were open to and even yearned for new revelations to replace those of Orthodox Christianity. They looked to the world's religions and to nature for inspiration. They believed that spiritual insight could be found in nature but could be perceived through intuition and inspiration mainly. Yet surprisingly, many of the Transcendentalists, including Emerson, looked on Darwin's book with favor. As the Transcendentalists were reading Darwin's book for the first time, the fight to end slavery was in full force. Each side vigorously tried to justify their positions. The pro-slavery forces argued that God had created whites and blacks separately and he created blacks inferior, and thus slavery was his will. The implication of Darwin's theory was that all animals, including humankind, evolved from the same ancestors. This was seized upon by the anti-slavery transcendentalist as scientific verification 
that there was not a separate creation of the races, but the human family was one. There is a shared hum humanity among all the peoples of the earth. Another of the transcendentalists, Henry David Thoreau, was also greatly influenced by Origin Species. Thoreau was much like the young Darwin. He loved nature, collected specimens, and closely observed the plants and animals around Walden Pond. Like Darwin, Thoreau kept detailed notes of his observations. As a transcendentalist, Thoreau looked for spiritual insight within nature, but within time his approach began to change. He began to try to understand why nature was the way it was, not only to discover spiritual insight. So it's not surprising that when he read Origin of Species, Thoreau enthusiastically embraced Darwin's theory of evolution. It gave Thoreau a scientific foundation for his intuition that humans and nature were part of the same continuum. He came to understand that there was no force or intelligence directing nature nature just was. Following the Civil War, the religious world was embroiled in the struggle to harmonize evolution with traditional Christian beliefs. Some gave up this effort and became churches where God was not necessary, such as ethical culture and the religion of humanity. The idea of religion without God also took hold in the Unitarian Church. Uh, these ideas were particularly strong in the Western Unitarian Conference which was organized in 1852 to promote Unitarianism west of New York State. The more established Unitarians warned that the Western Conference was dangerously slipping away from the age-old Unitarian commitment to God and worship to the idea of divine humanity that shines through Jesus Christ. Many young ministers objected to the preamble adopted by the National Convention of Unitarian Churches in 1865 that declared the attending delegates were disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Western Conference insisted that membership in their organization required no dogmatic test, but is open to all who struggle for truth, righteousness, and love. John Dietrich became the minister of First Unitarian Church in Minneapolis in 1917. His sermons proclaimed this new religion without God, which he christened religious humanism. Dietrich proclaimed, I am entirely open-minded and not dogmatic toward the idea of God. But while I do not call myself an atheist, neither do I call myself a theist. I do not deny such guiding intelligence as in theism. I simply see no evidence of it." End of quote. Dietrich published an article in the denominational magazine, which at that time was called the Christian Register where he contrasts religion based on supernaturalism with a new humanism, which encouraged people to affirm and confident reliance upon themselves in whom lies the possibility of all things. Over the next few years, a furious debate among Unitarians raged over humanism. Could it be accommodated within the Unitarian fold? The debate came to a head in 1921 at the denominational conference in Detroit. Some theists advocate advocated that the conference issue a statement that belief in God was essential to Unitarianism, but the conference demurred, and the place of humanism and Unitarianism was secure, and Unitarianism became a creedless religion as it is to this very day. 
Those of you who are members of our congregation know that to join, you are not required to affirm any commitment to a particular religious dogma. This does not mean, however, that we as individuals do not have worldviews. Our members identify with a range of beliefs, Christian, Buddhist, pagan, humanist, Jewish, atheist, and others. In the 1930s, a humanist leader, humanist leaders, both within Unitarianism and in secular intellectual circles, felt that a document succinctly stating what was commonly believed among humanists would invigorate the movement. The first Humanist Manifesto of 1933 was the result of this effort. Of the 34 signers of the manifesto, almost half were Unitarian minister, and one was a Universalist minister. We can see the influence of these humanists in our service today. The preamble of the manifesto states, the time has come for widespread recognition of the radical changes in religious beliefs throughout the modern world. The time has passed for mere revision of traditional attitudes. Science and economic change has disrupted the old beliefs. Unitarian Universalism has embraced these radical changes as signified by our use of the chalice as our symbol. I suppose there are many ways to understand this symbolism, but for me, the openness of the chalice signifies our openness to new ideas. The flame of the chalice represents the light of reason and the warmth of compassion through which these new ideas are filtered. The second point of the manifesto states, humanism believes that humanity is a part of nature, has emerged as a result of a continuous process, end of quote a clear reference to Darwin's evolution. The following quotations will illustrate the influence of the Humanist Manifesto on contemporary Unitarian Universalism. I'll modify the pronouns to make them more gender inclusive. The fifth tenet of the Manifesto states, the nature of the universe depicted by modern science makes unacceptable any supernatural or cosmic guarantee of human values the way to determine the existence and values of any and all realities is by means of intelligent inquiry and by the assessment of their relation to human needs, end of quote. This idea is reflected in our doxology that we sang earlier. We lifted up peace and goodwill on earth, but not, do not rely on God in three persons. The ninth principle of the manifesto stated that in places of the old attitudes involved in worship and prayer, Humanists find religious emotions expressed in heightened sense of personal life and a cooperative effort to promote social well-being, end of quote. This is our covenant that we declared. Love is the spirit of the church. Service is his prayer. Only humans can make the world a better place. The closing words of the manifesto are, though we consider the religious forms and ideas of our fathers no longer adequate, the quest for the good life is still the central task of humanity. Humans are, at last, becoming aware that we alone are responsible for realization of the world of our dreams, that we have the power for this achievement. We must set intelligence and will to the task. This is reflected in the many programs here at UUSF to work for justice and freedom. So as I see it, the ideas that Darwin set forth had a profound effect on the transcendentalist and humanist predecessors, and this influence is reflected in our service this morning. Darwin also affected me personally. 
as he may have many of you. You might say, Darwin, save me. I grew up in a small town in a remote part of Oklahoma. Like most people in the area, I was raised in a conservative Protestant church. We believed in a very literal interpretation of the Bible. My story is not uncommon. I went away to college and was exposed to a wider range of thought. Once I came to understand evolution, I realized that it was an alternative to the narrative in the Bible that I was familiar with. This opened a whole way, new way of seeing the world. I no longer had to be tormented with those biblical warnings against same-sex love and the wrath of a vengeful God. As a young man in Houston in the 1970s, I happened into a gay support group that was meeting at the First Unitarian Church. Wow, the church would let us meet in their building? This was the 1970s and in the South. I'm sure it was the only church in the city that would allow gay people to meet. I had to learn more about this church. I soon started attending services and realized this was not just a grudging tolerance, but actual support. I understood that, at least in this place, I could be accepted for who I was. My life would have been very different, I know, if I had not wandered into that church so many years ago. So you see, for this, I'm grateful to Darwin, the transcendentalist, humanist, and Unitarian Universalist.